Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Um, I'm just excited this morning for so many different reasons. It's Father's Day. I want to, again, use this opportunity to honor my dad. Where are you, dad? Are you in here, dad? Is he, he might be outside. Oh, he's right there. Same place he's always at. Why am I? At? I, you know, I was telling my wife a story the other day. I remember uh, playing Little League and T-ball and all those things. And I think it was at the age of maybe a 10, maybe an 11 years old was probably the worst year of my life. It's the year that I found that I was terrible at baseball. Uh, I, you know, early on was, was okay. And then as I grew older, I went to play in a higher league and uh, I just was terrible. I, I think I struck out all the time. Um, I was on the, you know, I was that kid on the bench. You know who that kid is, right? Uh, maybe some of you were that kid. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, the coaches would kind of get you in during, you know, you knew what it was, you know, and <laughs> kids could barely hit to the outfield. And then, you know, you're in right field. There was no lefty. So, you knew, you know, you knew you were that guy. And uh, we had a little feedback up here. Um, uh, anyways, so uh, I just remember, I think it was probably 11 years old where that was a real rough patch for me in sports. Uh, baseball in particular. And I remember my dad uh, would always take me out uh, to the park, would always take me. I remember being at my old school, Oliveira, throwing pitches and me swinging. And, uh, you know, it's really cool is that even though he never played baseball, he learned how to play. And, you know, even though he never played basketball in a, like a league type of deal, he learned. Fathers, you know, some of you coach your sons, you don't even know. You're like reading because you just learn how to do it on the fly. And so, uh, so uh, I, I also remember this, this is going to be funny, but I also remember my father uh, as a, uh, I wasn't getting a lot of playing time. And I remember, uh, I remember, what, I used to cry after games. That's how bad I was. And, uh, and my dad, uh, you know, my dad was a comforter. But one thing I remember about my dad, he wasn't just a comforter. He was also a protector because I remember him yelling at one of my coaches one day. And we're like, you're going to put him in the play or not? And like they go back and forth. Well, Mr. Mueller, you know, I, I bet you he want to say, Mr. Mueller, your kid's terrible, right? But he didn't want to say that. And, but I just remember my dad sticking up for me. And, um, and uh, I'm going to switch microphones. Here we go. This should be better. I remember, uh, I remember uh, my dad sticking up for me and encouraging me, and I remember as I progressed beyond that horrible uh, 12-year-old, 11-year-old year where I wanted to probably quit, uh, my father was there practicing with me, uh, you know, guiding me, and obviously sticking up for me. And long story short, I got a little better. And I got a little better, and I got the hang of baseball. And, you know, as the years progressed, um, I ended up going from being one of the worst on the teams to um, I'm not going to brag or anything like that, you know. But you guys, you guys can read in between the lines. Um, but, uh, Dad, thank you so much. I love you. Uh, the word that always comes to mind other than provider is encourager. And the word encourager, sometimes we think it's somebody that talks a lot. But that's not necessarily too true because if you look at the word encourage, it's a combination of two words, um, in and courage, which means when you're an encourager, it means you have the ability to fuse into somebody courage. 
somebody who is afraid, somebody who is uh, doubtful, somebody who is insecure, your presence, your words have the ability to place inside of them a courage that didn't exist before. And so, Father, I love you. Thank you for being a a major encourager in my life. And so um, I wanted to just take this time to make sure you know that. Um, If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 16 through 20. Um, Today we're going to finish our summer sermon series um, that we entitled, our pre-summer sermon series that we entitled Summer Break. Uh, We talked about a couple of weeks ago, breaking in holy habits. You remember that? And if you want to go back and check out the podcast, you totally can. Uh, We talked about making the summer of 2018 the summer that you look back and say, you know, that's the summer I grew the most in Christ. That's the summer I became devoted to the scriptures, right? And so in that first week, we taught you how to read the scriptures. And again, I want to encourage you to go back, check out the podcast. Um, Reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures is something I want to totally challenge you to do this summer. And then the next week, we talked about breaking in another holy habit, koinonia or community. And we talked about this summer being a summer in which you developed unusual community. This would be a summer that you would attach yourself to the people of God like never before. And finally, last week, we talked about uh, summer breakthrough. And we talked about not just having, not just growing in Christ this summer, but seeing some of your greatest victories over some of your biggest battles this summer. We talked about spiritual warfare, and we talked about strongholds last week. Um, And again, you can have access to all of that on our website, on our podcast. This morning, we will finish with breaking out. Can you just say breaking out? I want to say it a little bit stronger. Say breaking out. Amen. Y'all, you guys are good this morning. Uh, So my prayer is that Inspired Church would break out of our box. What do I mean by that? That you would break out of the box of routine. That you would break out of the box of of tradition. That you would break out of that box of routine and that you would go and you would be a person who would reach those who are far from God with creativity and imagination and courage. That we would go into our neighborhoods, into our cities. I, I want us to break out of the box. I want us to break out of the box of Crown Plaza. I want to break out of the box of these walls and not just go to church on Sundays, but actually be the church every other day of the week. And I I want to encourage you to break out of those insecurities, amen, those fears that hold you back from sharing your faith with confidence and compassion. And so these are my prayers for you this morning as we preach, as I preach. And so I would like to pray over you before we get into the message. Um, I'd also, uh, since today is Mission Sunday and we will be celebrating sending 19 people to the Philippines on Wednesday. Um, um, I also want to say a special prayer. Uh, a message went out uh, earlier this week. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with Heidi Baker Ministries. Uh, but she is doing amazing things in uh, Africa and Mozambique, specifically in other places. I mean, I, I think there's over 200 orphanages, and her and Roland, her husband, are doing um, just wonderful work to the fatherless. Um, and spreading the love and the beauty of Jesus. And so um, they had, early on this week, they had some reports uh, that there were terrorists going around in nearby villages and that they were literally getting dismembered and beheaded. And, uh, and so I'm not quite sure what the latest update is, but I think we could all, just because today is Mission Sunday, we're loving on fathers, but we're also focusing on the mission that God has over the church, breaking out of our box. We're gonna pray not just for the local church, but also the global church that's doing things in unseen places. So can we 
lift them up as well this morning. So I want to invite you to pray. Let's say, Heavenly Father, uh, we come against uh, the, the enemy that would exalt itself against your knowledge and the enemy that would become a stumbling block to the gospel, the enemy that would intimidate and persecute your church in the Bay Area, and the enemy that would intimidate and persecute your church around the globe uh, with Heidi Baker's ministry, her husband, Roland Lord, and we just lift them up before you as we sit comfortably in our seats in America and we listen to a word on Sunday morning with our donuts and our coffee. May we be reminded that there are people right now uh, spreading the gospel in unseen foreign places. Uh, Their lives are on the line. And so we pray a, a hedge of protection. We pray that the glory of God would be made known. We pray that your, your, uh, your host of angels would surround them and encamp around them. We pray uh, that your will would be done in America. Your will would be done in the Bay Area, in Union City. But it would be done across the world. All nations, all tribe, every tribe, every tongue. And so we just declare that for your honor, your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're talking about breakout, and uh, one of our core values here at Inspired Church is theology, community, and the last one is mission. And so I want to just take an opportunity to talk a little bit about mission. And so what I, w- I thought would be really cool is we'd start off this morning, and I've done this before really, really early on in the church's history. Um, I shared this before, but I thought this morning that we would look at some famous mission statements from some very successful companies. Um, and so, uh, so uh, let's... Let Let's go ahead and take a look at the first one for you that's up there. Um, the first one is Coca-Cola. Everyone's familiar with Coca-Cola. Uh, one entrepreneur said that a mission statement is vital to a company's success. It gives clarity and purpose uh, to your company. It gives clarity and purpose to your employees. Without a mission statement, an entrepreneur or their company um, is bound to fail. And so Coca-Cola has a mission statement, and it reads like this, to refresh the world. I'm sorry, to refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit. Bet you didn't know Coke thought about that. (laughs) To refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit. To inspire moments of optimism and happiness through our brands and actions. To create value and make a difference. Second one is Google. We all know Google. Listen to Google's mission statement. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Notice these mission statements are clear and concise, and they and they literally uh, they literally educate the company and they educate its employees on what exactly they do. And so let's finally go to Facebook. Facebook's been under a little bit of fire the last couple of months. Um, Facebook says this to give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. And so uh, as we're looking at these successful companies, one of the things that I thought we'd do today, we're talking about breaking out of our box, breaking out of the four walls. We're talking about mission being one of our, uh, uh, one of our core values at Inspire. I thought that we would talk about what is the mission statement for the church? Did you know that the church has a mission statement? It reads like this. If you're with me, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, Jesus, before he ascends into heaven after his resurrection, he makes this comment to his disciples. Disciples. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now here it is. Then Jesus said to him, are you ready for the church's mission statement? 
Here it is. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, contrary to what some may have experienced in their past church experiences, contrary to what you may have seen and heard in other places, I want everyone in here to know today that the church does have a mission to accomplish. And I want you to know the mission isn't just to attend church on Sunday morning. And we should not be confused about our purpose. We should not feel the need to make up new purposes or create new mission statements. In fact, every mission statement that the church has should flow from the good or the great commission. Are you with me? And so Jesus, before he left this earth, he stated the mission and he made it clear. And it was, and it was his mission. And if it was his mission, then it should be our mission too. Now before we continue... Um, I want to define three terms to you this morning and do a little bit of teaching, if you don't mind. I want to define the word mission. I want to define the word missions with an S, and I finally want to define the word missional. I know they all sound similar, um, but mission, missions, and missional. Number one, let's talk about what is mission. Mission is this. It's all that God is doing to bring the nations to himself. In fact, one, uh, one commentator quoted this about the mission. He says this, mission is an all-embracing term that refers to the entire task for which the church is sent in the world. Let me say that again. Mission is an all-embracing term that refers to the entire task for which the church is sent into the world. And this is the mission of Inspire to go to the world, to go to the neighborhoods, to go to the cities and preach the gospel, make disciples. Number two, uh, that was mission. Now I want to define the word missions with an S. Missions means this. It's the pursuit of sharing the gospel to all corners of the earth. The same commentator defines missions this way. The international activities designed to create a Christian presence in places where there is no such presence or at least no effective presence. So let me give you a good example, and we should have it for you here up on the screen. Has anybody ever heard of the 1040 window? It's right there in yellow. Well, let me explain to you what the 1040 window is. The 1040 window is a term that was coined by a Christian missionary strategist named Louis Bush in 1990. 10 and 40 refer to the degrees north of the equator, right? Regions of the Eastern Hemisphere, the European, I'm sorry, regions of the Eastern Hemisphere, a European and African part of the Western Hemisphere. These regions are known to have the highest level of socioeconomic challenges and least access to the Christian mission and Christian resources on the planet. In fact, in those places, you'll see some of the most persecution taking place. You'll see the stronghold of the enemy trying to leave out the, 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 um, the furtherance of the gospel in those locations. Are you with me? So mission is universal. Amen? Mission is all over the place. It's everything that God is doing to bring his people to him. Missions is those things that we do overseas in the least uh, reached communities. Are you with me? And finally, number three is missional. Missional is really simple, living and acting like a missionary without ever leaving your city. Wow. Living and acting like a missionary without ever leaving your city, leaving your neighborhood, leaving your workplace. 
Now, and I think I've already did this, but let me simplify the terms one more time. Mission is universal. It's all that God is doing everywhere at all times, past, present, and future. Missions is all that God is doing overseas and foreign lands. And missional is all that God is doing and wants to do right here where you are locally. I forget who coined this term, but it's a term that I've borrowed here at Inspire Church. Uh, our goal is to be a global church. What a global church is, the combination of global and local, that we would be sharing the gospel in this city and in our surrounding regions and neighborhoods, but that we would also be a church that would send money to those sharing the gospel and actually go ourselves to share the gospel around the world, which is what we'll be doing and we've been doing for the last two years. I believe that deserves a round of applause. I'm not looking for any, I'm not looking for a pat on the back, but I think the fact that Next Sunday, God will be, we will be here in our city. Uh, next Sunday, we will be here in our city ministering the gospel, and we'll also be in the Philippines simultaneously ministering the gospel. So with all of that in mind, I want to I focus the rest of this message, and I want to look at three phrases from Matthew 28, the verse that I read earlier, the Great Commission, three phrases from the Great Commission that empower our mission here at Inspired Church. Three phrases from uh, the Great Commission that empower our mission here at Inspired Church. You ready? You ready? Here we go. First, Jesus, before he gives his mission statement, is certain and sure to remind us that all authority belongs to him. All He says all authority, before he says go, he says all authority belongs to me. You see, anyone that determines to live a life on mission will always be confronted by threats. Anybody who determines to be a light in a dark place will always be confronted by the possibility of intimidation. Anybody who is determined to be a light to their family members that are in dark places, a light to their co-workers or to the employees at their workplace, a light in their schools, a light in their neighborhoods, you will always be faced with a possibility of intimidation. You'll always be faced with a possibility of threat. You'll always be faced with a possibility of persecution. I want you to know, the enemy's goal is to keep a Christian contained to a Sunday morning box. The enemy's goal is to keep a Christian contained to a Sunday morning box. Can I tell you this? If he can't destroy your soul, he's contained with making you complacent so that other souls can't get close to Christ. And I think that many times, and I, I wonder if you would agree with me, and maybe not out loud, but maybe in your heart, I think that many times we fall victim to fear and insecurity. We don't want to offend anybody. And I, I, I appreciate that sentiment. In a lot of places, maybe that you work or you attend, you're nervous to share your faith because HR might get a hold of it and turn it into a nightmare. I want you to know is that's the world system. That's the enemy's influence trying to keep the Christian in the box. We don't want to offend anybody. Right? We don't want to get fired, and I don't blame you. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And in some regions, they don't want to get killed. But I think this mentality 
is the result of Christians submitting to the authority of the culture that tells them your faith is okay as long as you practice it in private and not in public. But there's a problem. Jesus told us to make our faith public. And I think sometimes we're intimidated by what the culture is telling us. And as a result of that intimidation, whether we like it or not, some Christians in here would have to agree we submit under the authority of the culture because we fail to submit under the authority of Christ. And we don't realize that before he said go, he said don't worry because what? All authority belongs to me. And he says seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and he'll take care of everything else. And I think sometimes these fears get in the way of us becoming a missional people. Well, second comment, not only does he have all authority and so he trumps the culture's authority, the second thing I want you to know is, and I want you to understand, is that um, now that we know where the ultimate authority resides, Jesus gives us, leaves us with no excuse. He tells us what? Go and make disciples of all nations. Go. And make disciples of all nations. Now, I want to take that beautiful mission statement, go and make disciples of all nations. And I want to break that down into three sections. Go, make, and all. Y'all are doing really good with me. Stay with me here. Number one, let's talk about the word go. I love that because Jesus commands the church to be mobile. This does not mean that the building that we're supposed to put wheels on the Crown Plaza and move it around so that it's closer to everybody. This doesn't mean that local churches now are to be put on wheels and move closer to the neighborhoods right across the street from the houses so that it's convenient. This means that it's not the church that is meant to have wheels, but it's the believer that already has been blessed with legs. It indicates that a church should depend less on a building and more on its people. Can I challenge you this morning? We need to go from come and see to go and be. We need to go from come and see to go and be. Your ultimate goal as a believer is not to attract unbelievers to the church service, but rather to live a lifestyle that attracts non-believers to Christ. Your goal is not to get them to go to church, although that's amazing and beautiful and keep inviting, but the goal is to live a lifestyle that would attract them beyond an institution to the man, Jesus Christ. And so what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself, you know, do I know how to be a gospel witness? And it's okay if the answer is no. That's good. Self-awareness is the first step. And I want you to be understand. I want you to understand that maybe if I'm not that good of it, or maybe I, there's fear or nervousness, then how do I equip myself to be a believer that lives out the gospel so that the church is mobile? Some people say, Philip, do you want a building? And of course, my first answer is absolutely I want a building. It would be great to have a beautiful church building. Wouldn't it be great for Inspire to call a place or home? But on the other side, I think to myself, how complacent would we get if we had a building? I wonder if we'd have that many volunteers, that many teams set up and tear down. There's a part about not having a building that teaches a, a believer that when they get into, when they become part of the church, it's not just to sit, but it's to serve. And so there's a part of me that's like, I don't even know if somebody were to give me a building today, I'd kind of wrestle internally with wanting it because I still feel like we need to create a culture that serves well. I didn't think I'd get much applause there. 
If we're not careful, we can fall in love with our Sunday morning services and not fall in love with our neighbors. We can. We can. And so we're called to go. Number two, we're called to go, but we're called to not just go for going's sake. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Disciples. You know, for Inspired Church, this idea alone makes or breaks the entire mission. We have to remember, we're not called to go and make friends, although that's a part of it. We're not called to go and make money, although that can be a part of it. We're not even called to go and make sure hurting people feel better, although that could be a part of it. Please don't misunderstand me. All those things are beautiful, but they're complementary. They're secondary to the gospel. Our number one priority why we do what we do, why we spend what we spend and plan what we plan is so that disciples can be made. If inspired church is not making disciples, we should fold up and go to another church. You know, every company, every organization that's successful, they have to know what do we do? What do we make? What are we creating? Right? What are we doing? And so you look at Tesla or you look at some of these companies, you say, oh, man, they're really good at producing these kind of cars. And they know what they're good at. It's really important to know what you're good at. It's really important to know what you're called to do. Otherwise, what happens, uh, you get this, this uh, the clarity of the mission would become contaminated with all of these other things that aren't conducive to what God has called us to do. And you become a company so preoccupied trying to do other things that you never master the one thing that you should be mastering. The church should be doing one thing, and that's making disciples. And every time I come across this point, I have to reiterate this. You've heard me said this in the past, but I think it needs to be said. There are some in you here today that are feeling dry. Some of you in here today that are feeling unused. Some of you feel like you don't know where your place is because, and I, and I posted this this week because it just really spoke to my heart because you're waiting for a man or a church to give you a title. You're, you're, you're so used to being commissioned by an institution that you feel dry or you feel like you're no longer good enough. You're insecure about the gifts because a pastor, a leader, or a church hasn't put a title on your chest and hasn't commissioned you to go. Well, can I tell you something? You've been commissioned by a higher authority that goes beyond the pastor, beyond the church. Are you with me? I want to speak to some people that have been in church for a while now because sometimes we can get so used to the routines that we feel like there's just no more fire and I want to tell you to go back to the first love go back to the first things go back to the great commission you don't need me to send you Jesus has already sent you And the next time that devil tries to get in your face and tell you, you ain't doing nothing, you're worthless and where you used to be and you're not, you just look at them, you remind them, I've been commissioned by Christ. I may not be standing on the pulpit, but I'm in the job place. I'm at the school. I'm in my home opening it up and inviting men and women in to disciple them for Christ. 
You know, and I, I always laugh because I have conversations with people with special giftings, and they're like, man, I wish I was doing this. And they have, a, you know, singers. I, I'm not on the worship team. I just feel like I'm empty. I'm, and I, I look at them and say, you know, which one of the disciples went to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, I need to be on the worship team? You know? What, what, you know, where, where do we see that in the Gospels? Now, I get it. There are specific talents and gifts, and you want to use them for the honor and glory of God. He's given them to you. We want to empower you and commission you to do that. But can I say that making disciples trumps your talents and your gifts? Everyone's called to do it. You can do it, and I can do it. You don't need a man. You don't need an institution. Jesus has already commissioned you. That's good news, y'all. That's good news. That's good news. I always, I remember I, I spoke this message early on, and I, I remember saying the same thing. I went off on another tangent, but I remember just, I'm always trying to go back there. Make disciples, are you with me? Go, make disciples. Uh, two challenges, and then we'll move on. Two challenges to ask yourself. Who is getting closer to knowing Christ because they know me? Who's a non-believer right now in your life, because you're in their life, they're getting just a little bit closer to knowing Jesus? Who is it? Are there five people? Can you make a list? The answer is, oh, I really don't know. I want to encourage you, high-five you, empower you to say, man, why don't you write somebody down, start praying for them. And you don't got to give them the whole gospel in five minutes tomorrow morning. We put too much pressure on ourselves, right? Go out there, be a light, live the light, love the light. Do you understand? Talk with them, love them, take them to lunch, build influence in their life. And I guarantee you the gospel is going to be, uh, there's going to be an opportunity. And so who in your life right now, because they know you, is getting closer to Jesus? And the second thing, and I've said this a couple of times, who is it in your life that you have empowered to be a jerk to you for the sake of Christ? Right? Not a lot of people can do that. We get a little annoyed. But there might be two or three people say, you know what? I empower you when you see me lacking a little bit, when you see me compromising a little bit, when you see me walking outside of what God has called me to do. I'm going to empower you to call me and say, hey, I don't know. Have you looked at yourself lately? Right? And you might get a little upset, right? We get a little defensive. I get it. I get too that way. But after a while, you step back, you pray, and you realize, you know what? They're right. And so who have you empowered in your life to hold you accountable? And then the other question is, who are you holding accountable right now? Are you with me? And you know, I always throw this out. Let me ask you, when's the last time you took someone to coffee so that you can encourage them in Christ? You don't need a church to commission you to do that. And if you do, I commission you right now in the name of Jesus. Your pastor is telling all of you have been entitled, I title you disciple makers right now. You know, you know, you know now, you know, because of Jesus Christ, we are all kings and priests. Right? You know, we are a royal priesthood, and so we don't necessarily need to be pastors. Right? You are already a shepherd of your neighborhood. Can I help you think, can you just pastor your neighborhood? I, you are, the, come on, put your hands forward. You are the pastor of your neighborhood. And you know, I'm just going out, I'm just going for it this morning. Uh, make disciples of, and then the last thing is what? All nations. All nations. So all the racist people in here, say this to yourself. All nations. There you go. I'm glad people were honest in this place. To all you people that are culturally biased, you know who you are, all nations. And you know what? You, uh, uh, you, um, you know, you are individuals that are a little diverse. Don't be looking at just the white people. You're racist too. 
and, and I know, and I know, and I know there's systemic racism. Trust me, I understand. I have an African-American son. I was just talking with some friends. And as a father, I long to know and grow and share with him everything. But the one thing I've realized is that I can't really teach him how to be black in America. And so as a father, I know there are some things that I need to learn and even bring some men on the outside to help my son because he's going to run into things that my skin never afforded me to run into. Are you with me? And so I recognize that in this country there is systemic racism, but I also recognize that we can swing the pendulum on the other side and we can become just as racist. I think God married Jamila and I so we could just no excuse on either side. We could just go. One thing, and I love this, one thing I always hear from guests when they come to Inspire Church, when they like whether they speak or they spend any time with us, they always say, man, there's so much diversity here. There's so much like diversity, cultural diversity. I love the fact that we're not all one color. I love that. Now I get it. There are some places that are called to reach a particular group and and I get it. So I want to put down churches that all be, but I want to tell you at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, it ain't all going to look the same color. Yeah, all gonna say every tribe, every tongue, every tribe, every tongue. And so when I go to the Philippines and I'm glowing like a white man, and they're looking at me like I'm crazy, I'm gonna let them know that we are brothers in Christ. And so I love that about our church being multicultural. Um, and maybe I'm just immune to it um, because, like I said, my family is mixed, and maybe I take it for granted, but I love the fact that our congregation represents heaven. So finally, Jesus makes a promise of presence. Um, I'm going to go ahead and invite JD up. Jesus makes a promise of presence. Uh, he says, go, he says, all authority has been given to me, right? Then he says, now that I've had authority, now I'm commissioning you with my authority. Go, therefore, and what? Make disciples of one nation, just Mexicans, just African Americans. Uh, no, no, no. Go and make disciples, just Filipinos. No, go and make disciples of all nations. And finally, he says, And guess what? I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I love that. Jesus makes a promise of presence to people that will promise him that they'll go on mission. As a Christian, I recognize that the Holy Spirit is always with me whenever, wherever I go. Are you with me? I recognize that the Holy Spirit is always with me wherever I go. But there's something about going on mission that makes me extra aware of his presence. Whether it's sharing the gospel with a friend or a stranger or it's preparing to grow across the world to the Philippines on Wednesday. When that time is coming, whether it's in your uh, cubicle or whether it's in a foreign land, when that time comes and you begin to feel the urge, the missional call to share the gospel, uh, there's a fear. But there's also an unusual presence that's there as well, overwhelming you. Despite the nerves. Despite the anxiousness, despite the worry, despite the fear, despite the doubt, going on mission is an opportunity for you to invite the Holy Spirit to comfort you in a way you've never experienced. I want you to know the presence of the Lord is always precious, but the presence of the Lord in missionary moments is beautiful.